Um, so with that being said, I don't want to uh, take too much time. I want to get right into it. Uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be reading from uh, Genesis chapter thirty one. For those of you who are here for the first time, this is the read and rant. We spend twenty to thirty minutes where we read through scripture, and then afterwards we um, and then afterwards we'll spend about another twenty thirty minutes. Uh, where I just share where the Lord is leading today. Um, this is a meditational reading. It's just a reading of scripture. It's not specifically a Bible study, but more a discipline to empower you to read the Bible. My passion for you, for every person, for every believer, uh, is to actually read through the whole Bible. A lot of the oppression that we've experienced in the church has come out of, as a result of people who simply let experts of scripture tell you what the scripture says when the scripture is right in front of you and you've been given the privilege to be able to read it. And so I want to empower you guys to read the scriptures. That's why we're here. I'm here to empower you to read the Bible uh, and to read it from beginning to end. For for 12 weeks, we were, we've were we've we read through uh, spending 20 or 30 minutes a day, half a Netflix episode a day. We've gone through the entire New Testament, and now we're going to be reading through the entire Old Testament. And so I would love for you to discipline with us and journey in the reading of Scripture. But then we want to also read it from a meditational posture where we're seeking to hear from God in that moment about what God is saying. And so I come with nothing prepared. I don't have any notes or anything like that. I'm just really going where God is leading me as I'm reading the scriptures along with you. And I'll just share where the Lord is taking me so you can see how I discipline myself in the reading of the word. Okay. I'm asking three questions as I'm reading the word. I'm asking, what is the Lord revealing concerning himself? What is God revealing concerning himself? The second question that I'm asking is, what is God revealing concerning people? What is the Lord revealing concerning people. And then the third question that I'm asking while I'm reading the scriptures is what is the Lord revealing concerning me? What is God revealing concerning me? And for you would be what, what is God revealing concerning you? Um, and to allow the scriptures then to discern our thoughts and intentions. Okay. And so this is why we're here. We're here to engage in the reading of the word and to hear from God as we read the word. And so that's what that's what that's what we're we're here to engage in. Good to see you, Philip. And so yeah, so let's get right to it. Let's engage. Let's engage with God in the reading of scripture. Father, we ask, Lord, that as we begin to read your word today, Lord. Throughout this time as we read your word, Father, we pray that you would speak to us. Speak through us. Lord, speak to me. Lord, as I engage in this word, Father, I pray that you would but reveal your heart, reveal who you are, reveal your desires. Give us conviction where we need conviction, correction uh, where we need correction, hope where we need hope, strength where we need strength, Lord, that we would be transformed by your word. And we say that in your name, we pray. Amen and amen. Let's get right to it. Genesis chapter 31, and we'll go for about for about 20 minutes about 15 to 20 minutes today, since we don't have as much time. Now, Jacob heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that our fathers, all that was our fathers. And from what was our fathers, he was, he has acquired all, all this wealth. Sorry, let me reread that. Now, Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our fathers. And from what was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban, and indeed it was not favorable towards him before. 
Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your family, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock and said to them, I see your father's countenance, that it is not favorable toward me as before, but the God of my father has been with me, and you know that with all my might I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streaked shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. And it happened at the time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream and behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled and gray spotted. Then the angel of the Lord spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled and gray spotted. For I've seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you, where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. Then Jacob, sorry, then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, is there still any portion of inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God has taken away from our fathers are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. Then Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. And, the, and he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions which he had gained. His acquired livestock which he had gained in Padanaram to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now Laban had gone to shear his sheep, and Rachel had stolen the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob stole away, <clears throat> stole away unknown to Laban the Syrian, and that he did not tell him that he intended to flee. So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled, then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days' journey, and he overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains, and Laban and his brethren pitched a tent in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, What have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me? and carried away my daughters like captives taken with a sword. Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me for I might have sent you away with joy and songs with timbrel and harp and you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. It is in my power to do you harm. But the God of, you, of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful that you speak to Jacob neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? <laughs> then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid, for I said, Perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force. With whom you find your gods, do not let him live. In the presence of your brethren, identify what I have of yours and take it with you. 
for Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tent, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken that the household idols, put them on the camel saddle, and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but did not find them. And he said to her father, Let it not displease my lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of woman is with me. And he searched, but did not find the household idols. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin? That you have so hotly pursued me. Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren, that they may judge between us both. These twenty years I have been with you, your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried their young, and I have not eaten the rams of your flock that was torn by the beast, and I did not bring it to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was. In the day, the drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus, I have been in your house twenty years. I served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your flock, and I have changed my wages ten times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, These daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children, and this flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what, what can I do this day to these my daughters or to their children whom they have borne. Now, therefore, come, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, Gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there on the heap. Laban called it Jagar Sahadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day. Therefore, its name was called Gilead. Also Mizpah, because he said, May the Lord watch between you and me when we were absent from one another. <clears throat> if you afflict my daughters, or if you take other wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. And Laban said to Jacob, here is this heap, and here is this pillar, which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness, and this pillar is a witness, that I will not pass beyond this heap to you, and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father judged between us, and Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. And Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place. Chapter 32. So Esau went on his way and the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, sorry, and Jacob went on his way. And the angels of God met him, and 
When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of the place Mahanaim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, in the land of Seir, the country of Eden. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, and he divided the people that were with him and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, If Esau comes to the one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. And Jacob said, O God, my father Abraham, and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of the mercies of all the truth which you have shown your servant, for I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now... I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children. For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for a multitude. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother. 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 family donkeys and 10 foals. Then he delivered them to the hand of the servants. Every drove by itself and said to his servants, pass over me and put some distance between successive droves. And he commanded the first one saying, when Esau, my brother meets you and asks you saying, To whom do you belong and where you are going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, They are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my lord Esau. And behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second and the third and all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also say, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. He said, I will appease him with the present that goes before me. And afterward, I will see his face. And afterwards, I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So the present went on over before him and he himself lodged that night in the camp. And he arose that night and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of the Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And we saw that he did not prevail against him. He touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaks. And he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of this place Peniel. 
for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. (laughs) He limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. We'll read 33 and then we'll be done. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked and there Esau was coming and with him were 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants on their children in foot, Leah and her children behind and Rachel and Joseph last. And he crossed over before them and bowed himself on the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, who are these with you? And he said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservants came near, they and their children and bowed down and And Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. And afterwards, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. Then Esau said, What do you mean by all this company which I met? And he said, These are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, No, please, if I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand. And as much as I have seen your face, as though I had seen the face of God and you were pleased with me, please take my blessing that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. So he urged him and he took it. Then Esau said, Let us take our journey. Let us go and I will go before you. But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are weak. And the flocks and herds which are nursing are with me. And if men should drive them hard one day, all the flock will die. Please let my Lord go on ahead before his servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace which the livestock that go before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord and Savior. And Esau said, Now let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau reminded, so so Esau returned that day on the way to Seir. And Jacob returned to Succoth, built himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Succoth. Then Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the place, or sorry, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came to Padana Ram and he pitched his tent before the city and he brought the parcel of land where he had pitched his tent. <clears throat> and he bought it from the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for 100 pieces of money. And he erected an altar there and called it El Eloh, Israel. El Eloh, Israel. And this is our reading for today if if you're here for the first time and you're wondering what are we doing every weekday morning at 8 a.m eastern standard time we come together for the reading of the word we just read we read and then we rant that's what we call this the read and rant 
We read for 30 minutes and then we rant for another 30 minutes. Today we read for about 20. And we'll rant for about another 20. Because I'm not afforded as much time. And one thing I want to do is, is I'd like to, um, if not tomorrow or the day after, is to spend another extra 20 to 30 minutes praying. Praying with you guys and praying for you guys. Uh, because I believe in the power of prayer and I believe God moves in prayer. And so... Um, We'll see where the Lord leads as we spend some time in prophetic prayer. Uh, But before that, um, we have this moment, what we're doing right now, as we are reading this word. Why are you confused? As we're reading this word, it is... uh, It's it's one of the most... uh, impactful portions of scripture uh, in my life. Um, And I know Jason was mentioning this uh, from a sermon that I preached actually a week ago on a portion of what we just read just now. I preached a sermon. And if you've noticed any power that came from that sermon that I preached really came out of personal experience. Um, It came out of what I've experienced as as Jacob. So my, my second son's name is Israel. Uh, in part because of how impactful this story has been uh, to me. Um, I, I preached about how Jacob, um, and, and in short, and it'd be good for you guys to go back, but I, and check it out. But um, we, we see Jacob, he's overcome, and his name is Israel. He, yeah, that's right. He got the victory. He got the victory, but he, he walked away with a limp. Uh, Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was a swindler. Jacob was a player. He played and played and played. And even though he played and he played and he played, God's promise was still on him. God's promise was still on him. He runs from home because he played his father and his brother. And then he's now running from his father-in-law, Laban, because he played his father-in-law. We see that here. And he's got nowhere to go except back to his brother who he swindled. And being backed into that corner being backed into that corner, Jacob confronted the Lord at Peniel and he wrestled with God there. I think a lot of times the reason why, and and not, not to fully rant on that, but the reason why many of us hate being alone is because many of us are afraid to confront ourselves. We don't like being alone, not because of loneliness. We don't like being alone because we hate what we see in the mirror. We, 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 we like being busy, 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 because if I can keep myself busy, I can keep people around me. I don't have to see 
and remember the things that I've done. I don't, I don't have to remember the, the sins that I've committed, the people that I've cheated, the lies that I've spoken, the people that I've hurt. The reason why many of us hate being alone is because we're afraid to confront ourselves. And the consequence of that is that in hiding from ourselves, we hide from God. So in the end, we're around a bunch of vain relationships, but we never really get to know who we are and we never really get to know who God is. Vanity. And we get stuck. We get stuck losing ourselves, trying to please people, losing ourselves, but we can't, we can't spend time alone. Uh, Because my time alone requires me to wrestle and to wrestle and to wrestle with God. Jacob has to confront Esau. And in confronting Esau, Jacob sends all his, he sends all his resources and his gifts and all these things. He just sends them across the water to his brother Esau. And now he confronts God. And in confronting God, he leaves with a wound. He limps. And what I ended that sermon with, and then I want to get to what I want to share today, but what I ended that sermon with is that just because you overcome doesn't mean you don't have wounds. Till that day, Jacob limped. You know, you just because you got out of that abusive relationship doesn't mean you don't have that PTSD. Just because you you, you walked away from a situation doesn't mean that it doesn't ha- it doesn't leave any scars. And just because you, you 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 move on doesn't mean you don't have remnants of the things that had happened. And the unfortunate travesty, my family, is this is that for a lot of people who have come out of abusive situations and abusive moments and times where they should have died or lost themselves or lost their mind or lost everything, they came out of it victorious. But they still have wounds and scars. And the travesty of all of that is, is that for many people, because of the wounds, you forgot about your victory. Jacob is limping. But Jacob is a victor. He sees the face of God and his name was changed to Israel, the one who has overcome. But even though he overcame, he still had a limp. And I have to speak this into some people who they look at their limp and they see their limp as a sign of weakness and your limp should be a sign of victory. 
Just because you're on crutches doesn't mean you didn't win the trophy. Just because you're on crutches doesn't mean you didn't win the battle. You're on crutches because you won. And sometimes it's the limps in your life that rather than looking at it as a sign of uh, of defeat should be your symbol of victory. Jacob walks away limping but Jacob walks away with a whole new identity. He walks away limping, but but he walks with a he walks with a new name. He's a new person. And you could see that at Peniel, something has changed in him. Up to this point, Jacob has not changed. You can run from, you know, I said this, I know I don't want to completely iterate the whole sermon. You can go back and, and, and watch the sermon. But 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 people who run don't understand there's one person you cannot run from, and that's yourself. You can't run from yourself. As much as you run, as much as you run, as much as you run, you cannot run from yourself. As much as you can prostrate and show the face and make the smile and and do, it doesn't matter how much you do that, you know who you are. And you can run from one relationship to another, from one context to another, from one, I think I posted a clip last night on TikTok, from one church to another, from one community to another, from one person to another, from one city to another. You can run, you can run, you can run. There's one thing that you're, that you're doing though. You're bringing yourself everywhere you go. You cannot run from yourself. And so there's a point where you have to stop and confront God and confront yourself and come to a realization of who you are. I am a sinner. I am a fornicator. I am a liar. I am a cheater. I am a, you can go down the list. You sit there, you get backed in a corner and you have to confront who you are. You got to confront who you are because running won't change you. So Jacob sees God face to face. God sees him. And he sees God. It's another side note is often the reason why we project ourselves so much and prostrate ourselves is because we don't want people to see us. I don't want you to see me. I don't want you to see me. So I got to distract you because I don't want you to see what's really going on in here. I don't want you to see what's really going on in this heart. I don't want you to see what's really going on in my mind. I I don't want you to see that. No. Yet what does God not see? He sees all of it. Every sinful thought you have in your mind. Every Every, every sinful predilection that you have, every proclivity you have towards things that are not good, every one of those, God sees it. So what are you hiding from? Ah, but Jacob confronts God. And in the moment that he confronts God and he wrestles with God, he overcomes his identity changes. He overcomes his identity changes. He goes from Jacob to Israel. And you can see a shift that happens in Genesis 33. 
when Jacob and Esau meet, Esau was not the same guy that Jacob left 14, over 14 years ago. And Jacob is not the same guy that Esau wanted to kill over 14 years ago. You know, it's funny. We always paint the story of Esau wanting to kill Jacob, Jacob running. For those of you who are familiar uh, with the Christian faith, they've preached that all day. We preach Jacob all day. Jacob running from Esau, Esau and Jacob again. Notice how the story ends. We never talk about how the story ends. We never talk about it. Jacob and Esau, they meet again and they're reconciled to each other. It's, 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 it's a beautiful story of a brother who got played by another brother who wanted to kill his brother for playing him. And yet now they've been brought back together. Jacob and Esau, Jacob and Esau were reconciled. In Genesis 33, verse 4, Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. What joy is that? That the person that you love, this was his twin brother. Imagine the things that they grew up doing together, the games that they played together, the times that they spent together. And Jacob, in a moment, because of his selfishness and because of his mother's rules, because of his pride and because of his sinful thoughts, played his brother and in that moment lost his brother, but it wasn't lost forever. Esau forgave Jacob before Jacob. And this is what I love about forgiveness is that Esau forgave Jacob before Jacob even showed up. Before Jacob even showed up, family. Esau loved Jacob and forgave him before Esau showed up. You know, it's funny how people will say, I find this always slightly comical that people always say oh well i'm not going to forgive until this person apologizes as if forgiveness was for the person not realizing forgiveness is really for you forgiveness is to set you free forgiveness is for you to heal forgiveness is the beginning of your healing esau forgave Jacob before Jacob even showed up and Esau missed his brother. This is a man who lost his entire inheritance. He lost everything because of Jacob. And even though he lost everything, he forgave him. He forgave him so much so that he missed him. And he runs up to him and he fell on him and he kissed him. Unforgiveness is the chain and the bitter drink we choose to drink. Yet Esau chose life. Esau chose joy. Esau chose his brother.
And the story, uh, the, the beauty of this story is that, is that these brothers were reconciled. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about that. Nobody, nobody talks about, um, oh, how these two brothers were restored. Right. We, we don't really hear that. That's not really talked about much. We just talk about Jacob and Esau so much so that a lot of people, when they present the story of, of Jacob and Esau, they usually account whatever strife Jacob and Esau had, had with each other for all the geopolitics that are going on in the world today. The reason why peoples aren't, aren't good with each other, why one person is separated from another. But no, that's not what we see here. These two men came back together and loved each other and embraced each other. So much so that Jacob brought gifts to Esau. We see this huge, this huge gift that Jacob brings to his brother Esau. And notice that Esau doesn't, Esau's like, yo, you can take it back. I don't really need this. Jacob gave it for forgiveness. And Esau says, I don't need you to give this to me for forgiveness. I don't need you to give this. I already forgave you. Keep your stuff. As a matter of fact, God has blessed me. I'm good. In the end, of course, Esau keeps it because Jacob insists. Jacob says, well, if that's the case, then take it out of love. Oh, I'm going to stay right there. I'm going to stay right there, family. Let me stay right there. Jacob. He's transformed. His name is not Esau. I mean, sorry, his name is not Israel. Jacob sees his brother Esau. He knows he's about to meet him. Praise to God. He says, Lord, please allow Esau to take these gifts from me as a token of apology. And Jacob, watch this now. Jacob sends all these gifts for forgiveness. Hoping that Esau will take these and accept his apology. Esau says, I don't need these. I've already forgiven you. I don't need, I don't need your gifts. I've already forgiven you. Keep your rams and your goats and your youths and, and, and your lambs and all. Keep all of them. I don't need any of it. And Jacob responds with, well, in that case, I still insist that you should have them. How beautiful is that? That now Jacob gives this huge monetary gift to his brother, not for forgiveness, but now for love. And Jacob didn't need to buy his brother's forgiveness anymore. That's right, Cassandra. Jacob didn't need to buy his brother's forgiveness anymore. In this text, we look, Jacob doesn't need to buy his brother's forgiveness anymore. Now he can just give out of love. His, his, his relationship with his brother is now not transactional, but it's relational. 
And now Jacob is still motivated to give this to Esau, not so that he can feel better or so that it can satisfy his guilt, but so that he can just express how much he loves his brother. This is why forgiveness is such a powerful thing, because forgiveness brings people back together where one person doesn't have to perform for the other. And now one person can act out of love. But it is powerful for how God forgives us. When God forgives us, we don't do things now for God to accept us. We do it because he loves us and because we love him. Jacob still gave all of it to Esau. He gave all of it to Esau, not for Esau to forgive him now, but because he loves his brother so much. It's a better gift now. It, it, it's a better blessing. Like now when, 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 Jacob, when, when, when Jacob gives this to Esau, he, he doesn't lose anything. He's gained everything. It becomes this, this incredible, beautiful, overwhelmingly pleasing encounter and an engagement that he's having with his brother that he can, man, I love you so much, bro, that I'm just going to give you, you can have all this stuff. It, I don't even want it. I, I don't want it because I want you to have it because I love you, brother. Now that I'm not do doing this for forgiveness, I'm giving this to you because I love you, brother. <sighs> what if we did that with God? Like, what if instead of coming to God, we would come to God with love? Instead of coming to God with acceptance, we would come to God with love. Instead of coming to God asking for forgiveness for every single thing we do, we come to him with love. Man, it would change how we live. It would change how we act. It would change how we interact with God. It would change. It, we would be motivated to, to, to give of our lives to him, not so that we could go to heaven or so God can forgive us. He's already given us that. We've already been forgiven. God forgave us before we can even ask for it. Esau forgave Jacob before Jacob ever even showed up. And now Esau gets to enjoy his brother. God forgave us way before we can ask him for forgiveness because God wanted to enjoy his children. What if we would just accept that? Then we would come to God with all of our lives. We come to God giving everything. I remember when I experienced God's love. Even now, I'm overwhelmed with it. I remember when I experienced God's love. 
when I experience his forgiveness. When I encountered it in it, every single thing I'd ever done, every lie I ever said, every sin I ever committed, every person I hurt, I remember knowing and experiencing God's forgiveness that he, he completely forgave me for everything. And I remember just falling on my face and weeping and experiencing the embrace of God. And I remember with all the tears and and all the, all of it, I remember saying to the Lord, you can have my life. My life isn't mine anymore. My life isn't mine anymore. It's, you can have all of it. My life is yours. Everything. It's all yours. And there's nothing in my life that has brought me more joy than to give my life to him. And I gave all of my life to him. I am who I am today. Not because I'm a good person. Anybody who knows me knows there's nothing that was good. Nothing that is good. <laughs> uh, it be it was that I experienced. Because I wrestled with God. I wrestled with him. And I might still have some limbs and some wounds from it all but every time I limp I know it reminds me and brings me back to the place that I wrestled and knows that that's where my victory came from now I don't live out of seeking God's acceptance I live I live out of God's acceptance. God is good. May we experience that kind of forgiveness. May we experience that kind of that kind of love. May we confront him in Peniel. May, 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 we, may we confront him there. May we meet him there. Because when we can meet him there, and when we can experience that kind of love and that kind of forgiveness, <laughs> that's right. It's our operating system. 
then we can give it to others. <laughs> then, we, then we can then we can forgive others. I, I'm wounded, but I'm still a victor. I got a limp, but I still have the victory. You're wounded, but you're still a victor. And you may have some limps, but you still have the victory. Father, I thank you. Lord, for bringing us together today and just for ministering to our soul, ministering to our heart with, with your word, Father. I just pray that you would bless each and every person who's live right now. We have people from everywhere. We have people from Australia, from Jamaica, from, from, from Germany, from Europe and Asia and Africa and Australia, from all different parts, from the Americas, all different parts and continents all around the world coming together in the reading of your word. I pray, Lord, that we would be built up and encouraged in this moment, Lord. Lord, teach us, Lord, to forgive. Teach us, Lord, to accept forgiveness. Teach us, Lord, to be free in you, liberated by your spirit. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. We say that in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.